This week on the show, Matt Ryan gets a huge payday, and we're talking about the college bowl season already. Already, son. It's May. <laughs> a lot earlier than last year when we talked about this. Hey, in our history lesson this week, we're going to answer the question, what does a Civil War soldier have to do with creating one of the greatest coach-player combinations in college football history? That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello? You play to win the game. Personal foul. I'll pick this up. On number 99 of the defense, after he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there at the 15-yard penalty. Hey, look out there. You want to get hyped? We're going to throw a forward pass. You're listening to This Week in the World of Football, presented by theworldoffootball.com. Promoting the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. And now, on with the show. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Week in the World of Football, the only show that covers all aspects of the football world in one action-packed podcast. From the NFL to the CFL, college, indoor, and arena football, we want to expose our listeners to all the various forms of football being played throughout the year. All this while keeping an eye on the rich history of the game. This is episode number 39 for May 8th, 2018. We come to you each week from the world of football man cave located in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. Happy Tuesday to you. Yeah. Great weather, finally. Again. Two weeks in a row, yeah. It's almost like being back in Arizona. Uh, Not quite. (laughs) Without the mountains. Without the dry heat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we want to start out by saying thanks for checking out our podcast uh, we'd love to have your feedback, either on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. You can contact us on either our Facebook and Twitter pages at TWOF Kalamazoo, or you can send us an email. Our address is info at theworldoffootball.com. So now, let's review what happened this past week. All right, well, we're going to start things off with some scores again. We're going to start with the Arena Football League, and there were only two games, being four teams in the league. Sure. But the Baltimore Brigade surprised the Philadelphia Soul in a very low-scoring affair for an arena game, uh, defeating them 31-21. to It's uh, Philadelphia's first loss of the season, and both teams are now 3-1 and in the league. And I thought for sure maybe Philly was just going to run away with this season. Oh, and, yeah. And to see the Brigade uh, step up and beat Philly, and uh, I believe the game... Was it in Philadelphia or was it in Baltimore? Um, I think it was in Baltimore. Okay, well, regardless, to see Baltimore step up, that might be your right. Arena Bowl matchup, I think, right now. I think that's where the be. the favorites are, are. I mean, it's hard to say with only four teams, but yeah. I would say right now that's uh, probably where I'm going to lean. I've seen the Brigade play, and the Soul are always good, and the, those two teams are just uh, a little notch above the rest. Yeah, this particular game was on Facebook. I know you probably didn't watch it. I but did not get a chance to. I caught a good share of it on Facebook. My streaming uh, service was crappy, so uh, it got frustrating at, at times. But uh, but I, I watched a good share of the game, and yeah, it was uh, it was a very low scoring for an arena game, like you said. And uh, um, surprised uh, and happy to see the brigade uh, come out with a win. They're now tied for first place, uh, right. Philly and, and Baltimore. Um, 
And then there was another game. Go ahead and... Uh, yep, the second game one. was the Albany Empire getting their first win as a franchise, defeating the Washington Valor 47-23. to So uh, that was a game we were originally talking about going to. That would have been yep. good to have been there yeah, for their first franchise there. win, but yep. circumstances just uh, didn't allow us to get there. Yeah. But uh, also with Washington losing uh, starting quarterback uh, Nick Davia, yeah, Davila last yeah. week, I mean... Could the Valor be in for a little bit of a slump? I thought they could, could have at be. least uh, been the third team, you know, to maybe be in conversation. And with an expansion team, you don't know what you're going to get unless you're the right. Las Vegas Golden Knights this year. <laughs> but, I mean, Albany getting their first win. So right now, of course, it's early in the season. It's anybody's league right now. So congratulations to the Empire, and yep. uh, I look forward to uh, seeing what they can do the rest of the season. Yeah, the Valor are still using the same backup quarterback they used last week uh, or week before when, when Davila got hurt. Uh, I, I can't place his name right now. but Oh, you promised everybody last week you'd know the name this week. Did I? Yep. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, good Sorry. Job. Once again, I've let you down. But, yeah, both teams were 0-2 going into this game. Uh, somebody was going to win their, their first game of the right. season, and it turned out to be uh, Albany. So good for them. Yep, and then in the news, uh, I don't know if it came out before our show last week or just after our show last week, but the commissioner, I think it had to have been last week. We just didn't talk about it. But the, I think it was the commissioner had come out and had said uh, he almost would guarantee there's going to be at least eight teams in the Arena League next it, season? Well, it first came out by Ari Wolf uh, during one okay, of the games. Ari Wolf. Yeah. And I, I don't know if the commissioner... I don't remember seeing the commissioner talk about it, but I did see... Maybe it was Ari Wolf, I'm thinking. During, the, during the game um, uh, on CBS, the Albany game, they had... Um, oh, what's his name there? The, uh, Ron Jaworski, the part owner of that team. He confirmed that he's expecting to have eight teams uh, by next year. And he's talking 25 teams uh, in the years to come. Wow, so, that's a big leap. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, the most they've ever had is 19 in the Arena League. I'm wondering if they're going to cut a deal with some of these smaller uh, who knows, new uh, Arena Leagues that keep popping up that aren't really Arena Leagues. Who knows? Or, yeah. you know, you have old teams that are kind of dispersed throughout these different leagues as we talk about their scores coming up. Right, yeah, Jacksonville. Could, could like the Iowa Carolina. or Green Bay, could a lot of these teams be brought back into the arena fold? We already know they have the facilities for arena football. Yeah. It's just a matter of, I think, getting everybody financially stable, which was the goal of this arena league uh, going down to 14s this year. So Yeah, Jaworski said something about uh, in the past, you know, they, they were the ones that had to go out and try and find new owners for new teams, but he said since this new CBA uh, was signed uh, just before this season that people are coming to him now. It's, mm. you know, they're, they're saying, we want in. We want to have a team here. So he says that's kind of nice to, to see people wanting in the league instead of having to go out and beg for people to, you know, put a franchise somewhere. They're coming to, to the Arena League now. So, yeah, so hopefully uh, the Arena League We'll get back to its former glory. It'd be great yeah. to see at least eight teams sure, yeah. next season. As a minimum. As a minimum. And then at some point, hopefully, getting the Cleveland Gladiators back yep. will be another addition. Yep. Uh, maybe I'm the Tampa looking, Bay Storm. Maybe the Tampa Bay Storm again. Orlando Predators. Oh, yeah. It'd be great to see a lot of those classic franchises. Yep. Uh, please bring back a team to Grand Rapids. <laughs> I would be extremely grateful. Yep. Um, but anyway, that's it for the Arena League. And I guess we're going to move on. And you've got some stuff with the Indoor Football League. Yes. Uh, there were three games in the Indoor Football League uh, this past week. The Iowa Barnstormers defeated the Sioux Falls Storm 49-42. to The Green Bay Blizzard defeated the Nebraska Danger 47-25. to And that was Green Bay's first win uh, of the season. And they're now 1-7 on the year. And finally, the Arizona Rattlers 
defeated the Cedar Rapids Titans 57-42. to um, I've got a, another story here from the IFL. They have uh, announced that they've got three more people going into the IFL Hall of Fame, and I thought I'd give a quick uh, profile of these three uh, gentlemen. Uh, the first is Charlie Sanders. No, not the uh, wide receiver or pro football Hall of Famer from the Detroit Lions, but uh, this Charlie Sanders was an offensive lineman, and he played for the Billings uh, Outlaws and the Sioux Falls Storm over his years. Um, let's see, where did he play? He played uh, college football at Valdosta State, and he was on the team that won the 2007 NCAA Division II National Championship. And then from there, uh, he uh, spent seven seasons in the IFL, and he was a seven-time United Bowl champion between 2010 and 2016. So, yeah, he, he won one uh, IFL championship with Billings and six straight with the Storm. So that's Charlie Sanders, and uh, it says here that uh, currently he's serving as a pastor in the Sioux Falls community. So he's gone on to bigger and better things uh, since his IFL playing career. Another one was Jamil Sewell, quarterback with the Green Bay Blizzard and the Nebraska Danger. He played in the IFL from uh, 2011 through 2015, and he was the MVP of the league twice in 2013 and 2015. He played six years in the IFL. He was the starting quarterback at the University of Virginia, and uh, uh, he joined the uh, Nebraska Danger and became uh, th uh, went to three consecutive United Bowl championships from 2013 to 2015. In 2013, after leading the IFL in passing yards with 2,553, he also led the league in rushing yards with 654. Uh, right now, he is uh, working to open his own group home for juvenile delinquents and mentally challenged adults. So, again... Uh, another fine career choice after uh, playing football. The final player was a linebacker by the name of Pig Brown. He played for the uh, River City Rage, uh, and the Omaha Beef, and the Nebraska Danger in a career that spanned 2009 through 2015. He played college football at the University of Missouri, and he had a brief stint with the Kansas City Chiefs, and then he joined the Rage in 2009, and uh, he was named the to the Nebraska Danger Hall of Fame in 2016. It says here that he's uh, currently serving as the defensive coordinator of the of the Danger. And it says here that all three members of the IFL Hall of Fame Class of 2018 will be presented during festivities at the United Bowl weekend July 6th through the 8th. So congratulations to all three of those gentlemen on being inducted into the IFL Hall of Fame. So right. I guess now we can go on to the Champions Indoor Football. Yep, and there were four games this week in Champions Indoor Football. Uh, in the first game, a high-scoring affair between the Salina Liberty and the Kansas City Phantoms saw the Liberty coming out with a 78-71 to victory. The Duke City Gladiators came out with an 18-point win over the Wichita Force, defeating them 58-40. to uh, The Sioux City Bandits uh, came out on top over the Omaha Beef, 52-40. to and in an overtime thriller, the Quad City Steam Wheelers got a win over the Bismarck Bucks, 45-32. to And that concludes the scores from the Champions Indoor Football. All right, moving on to the American Arena League. Four games were played this past weekend. The Rif Richmond Rough Riders continue to dominate that league, uh, improving to 7-0 and with a win over the Peach State Cats, 82-22. to The Atlanta 
Havoc defeated the High Country Grizzlies 74 to 32. The New Jersey Flight defeated the Upstate Dragons 70 to 6. That was a real beatdown. And the Florida Tarpons over the Austin Wild 50 to 30. Moving now to the National Arena League, there were three games this week. The first of which saw the Jacksonville Sharks defeating my Maine Mammoths 48 to 31. In the second game, the Carolina Cobras uh, kept the Lehigh Valley Steelhawks with no wins this season, defeating them in an unfortunately one-sided affair, 65-3. to wow, wow, that is just unbelievable. Yeah. And in the final game, the Massachusetts Pirates narrowly came out with a victory over the Columbus Lions, defeating them 44-37. to and it was announced that the Steelhawks head coach, Bob Kohler, had resigned last week after the 0-3 start and uh, are now 0-4. Yeah, didn't didn't help changing coaches. Uh, they still lost their first game after he resigned. Uh, I guess he was the defensive coordinator for the Steelhawks the last couple of years, and he got elevated to the head coach. And I mean, uh, they, they did great under him as defensive coordinator, but it just didn't work out as him as a head coach. So... Uh, Still, uh, Can't always blame the coaching, though. True, true. But, uh, it's an easy scapegoat <laughs> when it comes to NFL or yep. any of these professional teams. Yeah. So the Steelhawks are still looking for their first win of the season in the National Arena League at 0-4. All right, moving on to NFL news. Boy, there was only one story, and it was a big one this well, week. Well, we were also confirmed that uh, our story last week we'll talk about briefly of uh, – Tight end from Jason Witten of the Dallas Cowboys. It was official. He did retire, and it's going to be part of the ESPN broadcast booth. We talked about it a little bit more last week, but at that point we did say that it was just a rumor at that point. It was not confirmed, but it has since been, and so we just wanted to confirm that. Yep, they they had a big press conference. Jerry Jones was there. Of course. Did you see the picture of the uh, diamond-encrusted football they gave him? uh, I did not. Commemorating his career. Usually when Jerry Jones is involved in something, (laughs) I avoid it. Well, they gave him a diamond-encrusted football. Um, you don't say. I, did, I gathered that from, did you see the diamond-encrusted football? <laughs> okay, uh, but the big news story this week was uh, we have a new highest-paid player in the NFL. Seems like every other month somebody is uh, so we, taking we, over the league. We joked about this last time when Garoppolo got his deal. Mm. But now this is our 39th episode, which means we've done this for 39 straight weeks. Mm. And this is the third time that we have had a new highest-paid player in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. And, or is it the fourth? I think it might be the fourth. Are we on to four already? Because Could did be. uh, Kirk Matthew, Cousins... Matthew Stafford and... Because uh, Kirk Cousins and Garoppolo, uh, I think Cousins jumped up because of his deal with the right. Vikings. Yeah, this would be the fourth. Yeah, let me just double-check real quick. But anyway, uh, let me tell you about this deal. Uh, he's now the... Uh, uh, Highest-paid player in the NFL. Yeah. That's NFL quarterback uh, Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. He signed a five-year deal worth $150 million, and that averages out to $30 million a year. And this is the part that I can't believe. $100 million is guaranteed? We're, I think contract? we're wow. going to see guaranteed money from now on. Cousins got a lot of guaranteed money. Yeah, his whole contract was guaranteed, I think. Yep, and then now... Uh, this guaranteed money, and I think whoever the next quarterback is, a lot of people are throwing Aaron Rodgers' name out there. Yeah. You know he's going to probably get a guaranteed sure. contract now. Sure, yeah. So, unfortunately for Stafford and Garoppolo, they had just missed out on this guaranteed part of the deals. But, I mean, this is, I think this is the way. This is the way you're going to get players to stick around with your team and not uh, jump ship is offer guaranteed money. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, any any play could end your career. Yep. You know, and to have that guaranteed money or... is probably a little more, uh, not satisfactory, but it puts your mind more at ease, I sure. think, as a player. Like, sure. knowing, like, hey, I've got a five-year deal with this team. i got all this guaranteed money, so whatever yeah. happens I'm to me, I'm I'm not going to lose set. it if I get hurt. Yeah, so... I think, and I think that's what players want. And I bet you, by the time we get around to a new collective bargaining agreement in the NFL, uh, you're going to see a lot more about going to have to have guaranteed money. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the way of the future for these players, and that's how you're going to get uh, a lot of these franchise guys to stay where they, you know, were drafted. All right. uh, so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Um... Were there any NFL stories that I missed? That was the only one that really Other than a, an NFL suspension week. that just happened before we went to air, which we don't need to talk about. I right. Mean, right. Uh, well, I mean, player transactions, they happen left and right. We could spend all day talking about that all sort right. of thing. But. Yeah, all those little little things. But, no, the big story, I think, is is Matt Ryan. So unless something else pops up on my phone before the end of the show, I think we're good on the NFL. Okay. Moving on to the CFL, uh, they conducted their uh, CFL draft uh, last weekend. Actually, I think it was last Thursday. But um, in a last-minute trade, uh, it was supposed to be the Montreal Alouettes had the very first pick in the draft. And at the last minute, like the day before, they traded that pick to Hamilton. So Hamilton ended up with the first overall pick. And they selected wide receiver Mark Chapman, who actually played at Central Michigan University. So I thought that was pretty cool that a, a Mac school uh, player wound up uh, being the first overall pick in the CFL draft. Now, if you're not familiar with the CFL draft, they only draft Canadian citizens uh, to be drafted. They sign American players, but uh, they're known as imports. And uh, so, if you're in the draft, then you you are a you know, you were born and raised in Canada. Now, a lot of these players uh, they don't always play for Canadian football, uh, Canadian college teams. Uh, a lot of them play, you know, come to the States and play. They'll get a, a scholarship or whatever, and they'll play in the States. And the, this young man just happened to be playing at Central Michigan, and uh, the Tiger Cats wanted him really bad, so they made him the first overall pick. And what I thought was interesting, I put out a tweet the other day that the um, CFL draft uh, started and ended with play, players from the Mid-America Conference being selected. Uh, their draft uh, is not a big TV deal. It's basically a kind of... They they sit there uh, in a uh, a conference call is what it is between all the teams. Now, I I think TSN their sports station up there did cover the picks. You know as they were coming in over the phone they they uh, would talk about them, but um, it's it's a lot more low key than the uh, spectacle that is the NFL draft every year. But uh, I forgot to write down the guy's name. But the 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 guy that was picked last was the 69th player taken. They only have eight eight rounds. Right, and a total a of sixty-nine. Yep. So the sixty-nine players taken, but the last guy was from Kent State, which is also a Mid-American Conference school. So I just think that was kind of cool. And there were, you know, a lot of uh, if you looked at the entire list of players, which you can find on the Canadian uh, uh, Football League website, which is CFL.ca, uh, it'll run down the whole list, and you'll see some some U.S. schools. Uh, Michigan State. There was a guy from Michigan State that got drafted. Um, you know, it, you, you'll see him strung out throughout the draft, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, they do. They do have some players from American schools, and so I just thought it was uh, pretty neat that uh, you know this guy, Mark Chapman, obviously has been to Kalamazoo a couple of times, uh, playing for Central Michigan, and uh, I just thought that was an interesting fact that uh, uh, he was the overall uh, first selection in the draft. All right, moving on to the Alliance of American Football, they announced their third team or the third city that's going to have a team. Previously, they had l- announced Orlando and Atlanta. 
And now joining them is Memphis, Tennessee, which is going to be the third team in the league. Memphis has had a lot of uh, teams in the past. I know they had the Memphis Showboats um, uh, in the USFL. They had the um, uh, Memphis Southmen of the World Football League. Uh, they've had uh, teams all the time down there. So it it made sense that Memphis was going to be another team uh, in the AAF. Uh, they're kind of keeping things uh, in the southeast portion of the country right now between Orlando, Atlanta, and Memphis. So uh, yeah, We were thinking it was going to be farther out west. We were, we were wondering, and we were messaging back and forth about yeah. who we thought it was going to be uh, or they, where they it was said, going to be. They said that they were going to have a team out west, and my first thought was San Diego because of uh, not, them not having an NFL team now. But <clears throat> there were several uh, articles this week talking about how uh, Arizona will probably get one, and they're, they're in talks with uh, uh, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe to actually host a team, and, right. and they had the Arizona Outlaws and the Arizona Wranglers of the USFL out there, um, and uh, and that's that's where the Pat Tillman race started and ended uh, for us a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I think that would be great to have a team in, in uh, Tempe. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, there'll probably be another announcement in the next week or so. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So we got three teams down. We got five more yep, uh, five announcements we're waiting on. Yep. But uh, the weird thing was they didn't announce a head coach with this uh, Memphis team. Yeah, they didn't. And, so, I, and I thought it was kind of weird the way they announced it, too. I mean, the first one, they were on CBS Morning News because CBS is going to be the broadcaster. This one was done in a, a Twitter post, a video by, oh, shoot, I can't think of his name now. Um, but uh, uh, he, he was just sitting there, like, talking to his computer, and he's wearing just a white T-shirt. He's not wearing a suit or anything, and he's just making this official announcement. So I thought, well, that's kind of bad. Can't you make it a little more, you know, do a little more flair or something? Um but, uh, yeah, just a little video uh, of a guy in a T-shirt making the announcement on Twitter that uh, Memphis is going to be our next uh, our next city. So we'll see what they do with the next one. But, yes, yeah, yeah. so in the past they have announced the, the head coach um, uh, to go right along with the team. Um, I, I think they're going to probably announce that uh, this next week. It seems like I saw something about that. Okay. That uh, they, they know who it is but probably didn't have a contract in hand or something. Okay, uh, college football. Uh, last year, when we started this podcast, it was August of last year, and it was in our first two or three podcasts that they released the bowl schedule for the year, uh, the upcoming yeah, One season. of the dumbest things I think we've ever covered. <laughs> and we're about to do it again, aren't yeah, we? And we're about to do it again, yes. And then they've already released the bowl schedule for this year. 35 bowl games, which I think is less than they had last year. I want to say 37, 38 Yeah, it's, it's a wonder you didn't go back and try to find that show and uh, give me an exact number. Yeah, well. Terrible research, you would, Mr. You would think I would have done that, but you, no, I think. didn't. This goes <laughs> to show you the level of dedication on uh, your part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, Mr. Walk in at the last minute and uh, read everything I handed you that I've painstakingly put together all week long. Yep, and it sounds like I know what I'm talking about 80% <laughs> of the time, so I think I'm doing okay. All right. Uh, well, the bowl, college bowl season is going to begin on Saturday, December 15th with the Celebration Bowl, and if you remember, that's the historically black college and university championship game, and then uh, a couple more games that day. Uh, we're not going to go down the whole list of everything. Thank God. But they're all on ESPN and ESPN2 and ABC. Uh, but the ones I wanted to point out, uh, on the 18th, the Cherry Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. My God, that's a mouthful for you. Uh, the Boca Raton Bowl has been around for a long time, but I think this is a new sponsor. I've never heard of this. Uh, yeah, I, I just think they need to get cherry. rid of the sponsors in front of the names altogether. We yeah. talked about it last year. We're yep. rehashing everything we've talked about. Why are we still talking about this subject? Can we please what? move on? Well, <clears throat> 
Yep, yep. <laughs> See, you're, you're even choking on the idea of talking yeah. about this topic. All right, the main thing I want wanted to bring up on this... <clears throat> Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yep, this is a sign that we're moving on. Yep, <clears throat> you want to talk about the college football playoffs, blah, blah, blah. One game's going to be the Orange Bowl, the other's going to be the Cotton Bowl. Right. Moving on. Which is different from last year. I wanted of to know... Of course it is. They I wanted to know what year. the two semifinal playoff games are going to be this year, and it's going to be the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. Thank you. We've just said it twice. Now you December got December 29th. We're driving that point home, son. And... Uh, so those, Say it a third time and it'll stick. Those games are going to determine who plays in the national championship game, which is on uh, Monday, January 7th. What day? Monday, January 7th. What day? The 7th of January, which okay. is a Monday. Three times. Now we don't have to talk about it anymore. Okay. So, yeah, if you're interested in all the different bowl games, you can go uh, check those out online. But uh, if, if you notice, like the... Um, the Rose Bowl. They don't have a sponsor name before theirs. It's it's called the Rose Bowl game, presented by Northwestern Mutual. Uh, so I mean that to me makes more sense than uh, at least to, then you don't have to the sponsor stumble before. through the yes. uh, cherry Bundy tart cherry <laughs> Booker yeah. who gives a crap bowl. Right, right. Well, we'll care if Western's playing in that. Uh, game, I don't we'll, think I even care. We'll see. Okay, well, that's it for uh, for bowl games. Man, why do you do this to me every year? When this comes up again next year, this next next January, when they release the <laughs> the names of, like two years in advance, let's not talk about it. Let's just skip it. Okay, um, you're not gonna skip mo- it. Movie? No, of course not. Moving on, uh, we talked about some of the players from Western Michigan that signed with NFL teams. There were two that were drafted uh, last week and uh, three that signed uh, free agent contracts afterwards. And there's been another one from Western Michigan here in Kalamazoo that signed. Um, defensive lineman Andre Turner signed a contract with the NFL's uh, Atlanta Falcons, and uh, that makes him the sixth player uh, this year to sign with an NFL team from Western Michigan University. Congratulations. Right All right. Yes, congratulations to him. Finally, uh, in college news, I've finally finished watching All or Nothing, uh, the show on Amazon Prime about the Michigan Wolverines. I know you finished watching it, so I thought yep. we'd—I I think we'd seen the first four episodes that we talked about those a few yep. weeks ago, and um, so I was just going to mention a few things that I thought were pretty good about this series. Uh, there was that that little kid with the um, uh, that had all those surgeries, yeah. the little kid by the name of Larry Prout. Uh, I thought that was really fascinating that two of the players had really, you know, taken to him and went to visit him at his house, and he was a big U of M fan, and uh, he had this necklace with all these, um, uh, I want to call them beads yeah, or charms, yeah. but yeah, the, each each item on the necklace represented a surgery that yep. he'd had of one kind, and there were a hundred, uh, I'll call them beads, there were a hundred beads on this necklace. And one of the players you know, held that up and looked at all these things, and he said, "Wow, you talk about all the surgeries I've had. It's like this much." And there were like five Four or, or five six. Beads, yeah. yeah. He said, "This is this would be my necklace, but you've got all these other ones. My gosh!" And and uh, he he showed up this uh, Larry Proud. He showed up a few times during the last couple episodes. So I thought that was pretty cool that they. Oh yeah, uh, that was that, that was probably some of the bigger emotional uh, mm-hmm. uh, beats of the of the show. Yeah. And uh, towards the end, like for the bowl game that they played in, they uh, uh, a lot of the players dyed their hair orange. Um, and even Larry Prout was there for the bowl game down in uh, Florida. Yeah. Or no, yeah, it was in Florida. Uh, and he dyed his hair orange also. And it was for pediatric uh, brain surgery or something. I forget exactly what something the Something like that was. for one of the yes. former Michigan, Yep. Uh, I think it was Lo- uh, Lloyd Carr's grandson. Oh, that's right. That's right. I think that's yes. what it was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, a lot of them dyed their hair uh, 
uh, Orange in support of that. And uh, what I thought was interesting that, uh, you know, now that we've gone through the NFL draft recently, uh, a couple of players from this uh, series that were prominently uh, featured, defensive tackle Mo Hurst was drafted uh, last week by the Oakland Raiders in the fifth round, and center Mason Cole was drafted by the uh, Arizona Cardinals in the third round. Congratulations! You said Arizona Cardinals, and not Phoenix. I had Cardinals. to stop for a minute because I I was doing something else. Oh yes, uh, uh, I was writing an article and uh, uh, about our trip to uh, Arizona, and I, I caught... available at theworldoffootball.com. Yes, I was going to mention that, but yes, I had to correct myself in the article because I did say Phoenix Cardinals, and I had to correct it again uh, in my article. But yeah, if you're interested in that, uh, I just posted that yesterday, and. Uh, a little article with some pictures of uh, Adam and Aaron and I uh, in Arizona participating in the Pat Tillman run. And uh, got some links to the Pat Tillman Foundation at the end there. And, uh, and even the restaurant that we went to, Max's, uh, uh, you can uh, check that out online. And uh, one of the pictures was from that restaurant also. So um, that's really all I've got in the way of news for this week. All right. Now it's time for our favorite segment of the week. Where Randy goes on to talk about whatever he's going to talk about, and I play on my phone for four minutes. <laughs> this is Randy's History Lesson. Yes, this week's History Lesson, we're going to answer the question, what does a Civil War soldier have to do with creating one of the greatest coach-player combinations in college football history? His name is Richard Henry Pratt. He was a caval- uh, cavalier, cavalry soldier who, uh, who fought in the Civil War. Is this the same Civil War where Captain America and Iron no. Man uh, fought each other? No, nothing to do with that. Okay, uh, I'm going to tune out that. This then. is the actual Civil War in the 1800s. Uh, anyway, uh, Pratt spent eight years as a Buffalo soldier after the Civil War in the Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas territories. See, they weren't even states back then. They were just territories. Now, the job of the Buffalo soldier was to move tribes of Indians into government-designated reservations and out of the way of the white settlers who were expanding westward. Pratt came to sympathize and respect the native people of the territory and saw firsthand how unfairly they were being treated. In 1875, Pratt was ordered to accompany 72 violent and dangerous Indian prisoners to Fort Marion near St. Augustine, Florida, for an indefinite period of detention. While at Fort Marion, Pratt asked and received permission to try to civilize the savage prisoners by teaching them to read and write in the white man's language. Three years later, the prisoners had made such progress that the government released them back to their families on the reservation. Because of his success in working with the Indian prisoners at Fort Marion, Pratt founded the Carlisle Indian School in 1879. The school started a football team in 1894 that over the years, and over the years, it competed against some of the best teams in the nation. Pratt hired Glenn Pop Warner to coach the school's football team in 1899. In his first season at Carlisle, Warner led the team to an 8-2 record, and they were ranked number four in the country. Several years later, a young man by the name of Jim Thorpe arrived at the school, and the rest is history. Not only were Warner and Thorpe a great combination on the football field, but in 1912, Warner accompanied Thorpe to the Summer Olympic Games in Sweden as a track coach. Thorpe won two gold medals during the games. The Carlisle Indian School competed on the gridiron for 24 years between 1894 and 1917. The football teams helped support the operation of the school. Profits from ticket sales helped to renovate buildings, purchase much-needed supplies, and made life easier 
for all of the students at the school. And the school was eventually closed in 1819. 1918. Nin oh, 1918, I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> I was so close to the end. <laughs> yep, bring it home. Okay. Today... What is left of the Carlisle Indian School is part of the U.S. Army War College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Pratt passed away in 1924, and he is buried in Arlington National Cemetery right, out of, right outside of Washington, D.C. So that is your history lesson for this week. That's uh, uh, quite a story. There have been a lot of books written about uh, Richard Henry Pratt, and uh, some think he was uh, a great person for doing this, and, and others thought that he was... Uh, robbing the Native Americans of their history by teaching them English. But in his mind, he thought that if in, in order for the Native Americans to really be brought into American society, they had to learn to read and write so that they would, you know, instead of just signing a treaty with an X, not knowing what they were signing, this way they would be able to look and see what they were signing and say, no, I don't agree with this, this is not right, and they could see it for themselves. So right. that was his plan. Um, and I think even today he's still a bit of a controversial figure in, in history. But, uh, um, but yeah, he did lead to, uh, to one of the greatest coach and player combinations in all of college football. All right, that's it for our history lesson this week. All right, sounds good. Moving on to our upcoming events for the month of May. May 21st through the 23rd, we have the NFL Owners Meeting in Atlanta. I think they're supposed to be talking about uh, uh, some rule changes that they were going some to. Some more rule changes, yeah, I think, kickoff, nailing down some stuff. Yeah. So we'll, there'll probably be a lot of news coming out of that meeting. And, uh, and finally, we're only a few weeks away from the start of the CFL preseason. They have a two-game preseason out there before they start their 18-game regular season, and that is going to kick off on May 27th, the CFL preseason. And that is all the news that I painstakingly put together this week just for you, son. Oh, just for me, not for <laughs> not for the hundreds of listeners we have out there today. Right. All right. Anything uh, show up on your phone before we're done here? Uh, nope. No updates, no news. I'd say uh, let's wrap this puppy up and uh, get on out of here. Okay. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something from today's podcast, then we've succeeded in our mission. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories and pictures, as well as videos from all over the world of football. You can even follow us on Twitter. The address there is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe, rate, review, and let us know what you think. Do you want to mention the next uh, episode? Well, of the uh, next on episode of Football on Film is not until May 17th, so you got a couple weeks to prepare if you want to uh, watch a movie and then hear us talk about it in deep spoiler discussion. Uh, the film we will be talking about is Jim Thorpe, All American which was released in 1951. Which kind of ties in with our history lesson. I today. figured that's why you brought up the history lesson <laughs> to tie into that. But, uh, Just I'm a happy coincidence. Yep, I've never seen this film. I'm looking forward to it, uh, especially after seeing the last film we did, which was yep. uh, New Rockney, or Canute Rockney All-American, which I uh, thoroughly enjoyed. Yep, and this stars uh, Burt Lancaster as okay. Jim Thorpe. I know who that is. Okay. All right, well, join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm Adam Snow. And we'll see you next week. 
play clock at three. Matthews got it back, sets, looks, throws. He's got Golden Tate who makes the catch inside the 15, inside the 10, and he's breaking away. He's into the end zone. Pack the bags, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions.